All right, welcome into the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. It's just me and a guest today. It's episode 51, the James Fisher edition. Decided with it being UND, NDSU week, or NDSU, UND week, excuse me. We want to have a special edition preview of of the uh, former Nickel Trophy game. It's November 19th, 2022. And our guest today is, he's a former Bison. He played for the Bison on the on the Rams from 20 or 2017 to 2021. He's co-host of the Benchwarmers podcast, which is fantastic. So you guys better go listen to that after this. And then he's also the founder of Big Deck Barbecue Company. It, it is Zach Willis. Zach, welcome on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dylan. What an intro. That was impressive. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we, I was listening to the one we were talking a little bit before we started recording, the one with Cord. Uh, you guys had with Cordell and you guys broke down dining center foods, which, well, we might have to discuss. Uh, we like to end our show. Something usually ends up talking about food with uh, the other two guys that are on this, but it's just me. So we'll save that for the uh, end of the podcast. But like I said, I want you to have you come on, help me uh, discuss this uh, rivalry game. Now you played in this game. Was there anything different with the coaches or the players or did you feel that the coaches had an edge or like within the locker room there was a little bit of edge when you guys were playing UND yeah I think definitely at least from a coach's perspective it seems like they understand the rivalry more obviously have a little more context than what happened in the 70s and 90s um, versus obviously we had the break when we moved to division one um, guys my age that aren't from around here don't really understand um, I was born and raised in Fargo my dad's an NDSU alum. He's bled green and gold his whole life. So uh, my hatred for UND was bred into me not uh, long before I got to NDSU. So um, I wouldn't necessarily – it's not like – the atmosphere isn't like an SDSU game. I'll, I'll say that. Um, it doesn't really match UNI, but the coaches definitely know that this game means something more rather than just being a regular season game. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think it goes back to the culture that NDSU has – especially like for the guys that laid that foundation that played in that seventies, eighties and nineties of when that was when the rivalry was at its peak and where they hated each other. And it was played like it is this year, the last game of the year, which I I'm a fan of. I think they should do it every year, similar to the way your USD plays SDSU. Yep. You don't have a rival who cares. That's your problem. Don't make your problems, yeah. our problems. <laughs> um, but I know I don't I wasn't at the game in 19 but I was a, I was a, the officials host when I went to school at NDSU and I remember that 15 game I remember that the opening like the hype for that game and the kickoff that was one of the loudest times I've ever heard the Fargo Dome was that similar in 19 for you do you remember Yeah everything kind of blends together in my four over my four years but um I remember specifically that that 19 game was thought that it was going to be closer uh, than it was. Um, and then obviously in the spring season too, they thought the same thing. Uh, I think in 2020, obviously no fans. So um, bad answer to your question, but it was, I think they were two or three in the country um, just getting ready. We thought like, Hey, this is a new, new UND. Like we need to get ready. 
and then uh, took care of business. I think final score is 35-7, 35-10, something like that. I remember uh, 2019, obviously, again, wasn't much of a game, but I, I don't know what it is, man. I Because obviously grew up in high school going to these games, growing up in elementary school. Uh, 2015, like you said, was unbelievable. Um, it was just because it was being renewed for the first time. It was the first game since 2005 or 2004, whatever it was. And it's just like, geez, they're back in town. They're moving up. They're going to the big sky. UND's back in town. Let's get everybody fired up. I tailgated. I uh, went to the game. But uh, I, it was it was almost like you got that taste and – now that it's back and it's happening every year, I don't see that fire coming in um, back into the rivalry like it was in the 90s and 80s until, we, you know, we hit where UND makes it a close game in the Fargo Dome. Obviously, last year up there in that chicken coop that they call a stadium was a close game, and they kind of took the life out of us, uh, made it a tough game up there. But – until it happens in the dome, I I just need to see it before I believe it. Yeah, well, I and yeah, I wasn't at the Alaris Center last year, but that just watching it on TV, the atmosphere seemed absolutely electric. I know there were some of the media heads in Fargo said that that was the loudest it, NDSU has ever played under in the Division One era. Dealt with that type of level of crowd noise, which the chicken coop is a perfect analogy for it because that's all it is. Yeah. It's just a big metal building and it, it's and a big quantum. And, and they, they put everything UND put everything they could into that game and they still ended up falling short, which is yeah. hilarious. Were you, were you at that game last year? Yeah, I was covering it with Ross from uh Bison okay. report. We went up there. Um, Ross, obviously a few years older than me, um, from that generation that still kind of understands the rivalry and knows the rivalry, breathes the rivalry. He was a nervous wreck the entire game. Um, I was kind of like, it's UND, man. I need to see it. And then the game was as close as it was. Um, Cordell Wilson almost got in a fight at, with a coach after the game. <laughs> that was, was an just awesome that... story. I know. I mean, um, I kind of brought it up, but uh, the whole birth of the UNI rivalry in the D1 era was uh, LJ Fort punching Pat Bashaw yep. on the sideline out of bounds. If Cordell ended up fighting a coach and it got suspended and missing games and stuff for that, I think that would have been a good spark for me to, you know, full-blown call this a rivalry. Yeah, and and that would just be unfortunate to see because I think, like we've talked about, the, the history of this, this is a Michigan, Ohio State, Duke, North Carolina, where the teams do not like each other, but it always seemed there was a – there was a mutual respect where they don't want to disrespect that type of game. And that's unfortunate to hear that a coach from UND would stoop to that level, but also at yeah. the same time, just the way you could hear the, the fans in the Alaris center screaming F the bison and yeah. all that type of stuff, which I'm, that's not, I mean, I, people have said that, long before i mean south dakota state i'm sure ndsu fans but i don't i don't in my time i don't ever remember ndsu fans ever chanting that about a team no i I, most of the time because we're winning in the game but i (laughs) just i mean the only yeah i guess 
it's always focused on us. And as weird as it sounds, and you're going to get some coach speak from here. I still got a little coach ends in me from my time in the program, but it's about us. It's about the bison. Uh, we don't really, what's the point of wasting the energy to, you know, start a chant talking about the other team. I just, I, I guess I think more of the, the SDSU, the, the Dakota marker game is that kind of rivalry, but just, I think if you ask somebody like my dad's age in the that 80, 90, 80s and 90s range when Jim Kleinsaucer and, you know, everybody was going back and forth, I think that would have been looked at as the premier game. It's just there's so much that's happened in between now and then that I respect the football team. I don't think they're very good, but um, it's more the fans and the people that support their team that drive me crazy more than anything. Yeah, well, and you talked about it in your Benchwarmers podcast about how the, the JV football stuff, but yeah, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. that Quinn, Quinnipiac Quinnipiac national championship. Who can't <laughs> NDSU can't compete with those teams. But there's there's going to be more people at a Pride of Dakota showcase in the Shields Arena than there was for their hockey game two years ago. <laughs> well, in <laughs> the bookstore, I know because I have a shirt. Is they NDSU has a they have a shirt that says NDSU hockey undefeated since 1890, which That's I wear awesome. and. I, I remember, I can't remember where I was, but I got just, I was just messing with some UND fans. I was just messing. Oh, and did they get mad when I was talking about how our hockey team was better than theirs? <laughs> hey, that club team rolls, man. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we'll get into the, this game. This is NDSU UND games, 1.30 Mountain Time, 2, 2.30 Central on WDAY and ESPN Plus. Bison are 13 and a half point favorites. And this is a this is a game that UND is I wouldn't say it's a must win to get into the playoffs. I still think they're probably in with a loss. But I think if UND was able to find a way to win this game, I would say that puts them in the conversation for a top eight seed. Um and, and UND, they're they're having a really good year compared to what they were previous years. Um Tommy Schuster's completing passes at a seventy percent rate and uh hasn't turned the ball over, which he has kind of been the knock on him um, yep. throughout the years. And then they've got a UNI transfer, uh, Tyler Hoosman, who's been kind of there carrying the load for the uh, running the ball. He's got all just about 800 yards. And then Isaiah Smith's still there. Uh, Bo Belquest is a solid receiver. Their defense yep. has been kind of suspect. Uh, they're giving up about 30 points a game. Their secondary is not good. And they run that run a three four defense, and they don't. I think the biggest key to having a successful three four defense is having a just a nose tackle that is just an absolute prick and just an yeah yeah asshole. And they don't have yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, especially in a three four defense, um, actually a lot of it has transitioned that way. NDSU is one of the few teams, especially in the Missouri Valley, that still runs a four three. So we always were scouting against a 3-4 defense. Um, uh, specifically, I think about John Ridgway from Illinois State, yep. who is now on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, heck of a player, like you said. And if you if you aren't an asshole, if you aren't uh, – I refer to Michael Buto. He was like a, uh, the transfer from Mankato a couple of years ago. He was like a snapping turtle out of the mud. Like you're just trying to lift that sucker, you know, he, it, they're, but they're just tougher – than than anything else and usually if they're not that way they make up for it in size 
Um, I think of Colin Saunders. I didn't play against him, but he was on the team when we went to Western Illinois. He's now playing for the Chiefs. He is one of those dudes who's 6'1", 325, and he did a backflip at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. So it just kind of lets you know what kind of freak show he was. But I believe their no, their starting nose guards lifted, listed at 290 pounds. But re- what really concerns me f- uh, for their point of view, matchup-wise, is having two five techniques that are 240 and 255 pounds. And it's just if you're going to get in there and you're going to try to hold a gap against Gray Zabel, uh, Jay Kubis, Nash Jensen, and Cody Mauk. Good luck, boys. You're going for a ride. Yep. Yeah. Well, and and I would expect UND. I would expect them on defense to to stack the box, put eight eight or nine guys in there, try to make Cam Miller beat them, which he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot this year. But against Illinois State, he uh, I mean, he threw the ball thirty times, and these the receivers, which was probably the biggest question mark coming into the year for the Bison. They've come along really nicely. Zach Mathis, who announced he's coming back for a sixth year, DJ Hart, Braylon Henderson, those guys, they've been really solid and they've really improved. So I, I would expect, I think Cam Miller says, bring it on. You know, if you want, if you want to stack the box, well, we can beat you. And I would expect NDSU, they still would be able to run the ball, even with Hunter Lipke out. Yeah. Um, obviously loss of Hunter is huge. And, uh, we talked about it more, obviously, just hoping if he can't come back this season that he's back in time um, for the senior bowl and he gets to live out that opportunity because that's obviously on every college football player's bucket list. I think he'll still get a shot. I think he's a top 150 player in the league. Um, if his draft position matches that, I'm not sure. But back to the football game coming up this Saturday, um, I think you're going to see a lot of power football, a lot of downhill running with Tameric, uh, a lot of TK Marshall. And then that sets up right into NDSU's offense because when you stack the box and you are playing to stop the downhill run, that leaves you susceptible to downfield throws. And I think, um, like you said, nobody's really forced Cam to beat them this year, but I think Cam can, especially thinking back to Missouri State last year. It was the Cam Miller-Christian Watson show. They just took over it and said, hey, it's on us. Let's go win this thing. And I really think if it came down to it, I think seven could make them hurt on Saturday. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, or you look at like the James Madison game in the semis last year where they were up and they were down and he led them on a drive where they were able to go down and score, take the lead and the rest is history. Yep. And the other, another person that I think you could see factor into it is because Quincy Patterson had a lot of success running QB power. I would expect Cole Payton also to probably show up and use him in the running game as well. Yeah, I think uh, one people one thing people have a knock on with Cole is, well, whatever his clip is from run to pass. Well, one, it, Cole's a young player, and he'll figure out the passing part of his game. He went in against SDSU and threw that pick before half. So you saw what happens when you do involve him in the pass game, and I'm, that's an unfair critique for, you know, uh, what his body of work throwing the ball. But – he is big and stronger, bigger and stronger than their defensive ends that they're putting on the field. I'm going to run it with 15 if I have the chance to. Um, I think it's just going to be a nice switch up, especially like you said, with uh, Hunter off the field in a sling. You need somebody to have six or eight carries that are just the demoralizing four to five yards that the pile gets pushed for. And I think Cole's a good spot for that. Yeah, for sure. And 
back to the back to the defensive side. I think the biggest thing for NDSU is um, is probably just trying to get consistent pressure on Schuster with with your front four, where you don't have to send a lot of guys. Make him make his reads because I don't. When I I've, I haven't watched a whole lot of UND, but watching him, he kind of seems like a one read quarterback. And if it's not there, he's going to try to look to scramble. And in previous NDSU games too, is where they've been able to get pressure on him. He's gonna he's gonna give it give it to the other team because you look last year they were ha- driving the ball down the field, getting ready to go in, and then he just throws up an alley oop to Dawson Weber, yeah. and. So I, I think if you're able to, which the defense has been a question mark from game one, and that since the bye week, they look like the Bison of old where they're not missing a lot of tackles. They're playing fundamentally sound. They're filling their gaps. And everything that has made NDSU successful in the past, well, yeah, they've done their job. And I would expect that to continue as well. Um, outside of Belquist, Nobody really scares me on that UND receiving core. And even Belquist doesn't fully scare me. I mean, he's a nice player, but yeah, uh, the, the one touchdown he had last year was on a trick play where it was just yeah. throw it up where, I mean, congrats to you, and that was your only offense all day. Yeah, yeah you, chalk, you chalk plays like that up, and you just say, well, we'll go make up for it and score on our end. I think defensively, it's like you said, it's been really encouraging to see, um, you know, I like to poke fun at Bison fans, obviously, because, you know, when things are going poorly, the, the world is ending and everybody needs to be fired, but you're starting to see things that are getting short up. Like uh, the tackling aspect was really concerning for me, um, especially going into uh, the first few weeks where we had up to 15 missed tackles on a team like NCA yeah. and we're like, well, that's not going to look great in the Valley. Uh, and then the other thing was just the run fits and linebacker play. And I think you're starting to see one, um, a heart and soul of defense emerge in Cole Wisniewski. I think he's going to be a yeah. cornerstone for a long time in that defense. And looking at UND, Hoosman is really the only concern. Uh, he's a hard guy to bring down. But seeing um, NDSU's defense tackle number 15, his name's escaping me, from Southern Illinois last week. Yeah, who is an absolute load and hard to tackle, and he was getting tackled open in the open field by one or two guys, and that was really, uh, really encouraging to see that from the Bison defense, and that makes me feel good about tackling a back like Hoosman. I have to give credit to UND's uh, offensive staff. Tommy Schuster isn't a dynamic quarterback, so if his first read isn't there, go find something. Is it's literally the Johnny Menzel offense from yeah. Texas A&M. Uh, the first one's not there. Do something. And most of the time that can lead to if he's um, this goes into if uh, obviously I think if NDSU is playing ahead like they should be, uh, you know, 14 points, 10 points, multiple scores, um, Tommy's going to be pressing. And who knows what happens when Tommy presses? It's either boom or bust. So um, I think those are the keys for NDSU defensively. Keep tackling well. I don't really – I agree with you. I don't think any of the skill players as far as the receivers are really dynamic or enough to really concern me where I think they should be double, triple teamed, whatever, with safeties and Courtney Eubanks needs to shadow him, all this stuff that we talk about when we talk about great receivers. Um, but I think they're good enough to to beat you if you let them. Um, and I think that's kind of the overarching theme of this game. If you keep them in it, they'll, they'll 
bite you in the ass on the way out. Yeah, and and back to the linebackers. Uh, you know, Wisniewski coming back after the bye week, he's been yeah, he's been the, kind of the stalwart now after what's really helped. But even like guys like Luke Wirtz who missed all of last year from an injury, it seemed about at about the halfway mark. I think about the South Dakota game is when the game really started to kind of slow down for him, and he started to play a lot better. He had a sack against SDSU, and he's just been a consistent player. Should have had yep. a fumble recovery last week, but he didn't. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I I agree with you, man. Um, Wirtz was a class under me when he came in, and just right away you knew raw talent was there. It's can he put together being that cornerstone signal caller uh, in the middle of Code Green. Um, obviously, Wiz is back, so he's doing that stuff, but I wouldn't feel concerned at all if, God forbid, something happened again and Wiz – uh, and Wirtz had to step in and be that Mike spot because he flies around like his hair is on fire. Um, I think Wirtz's knock is pass coverage sometimes, but he proved that he went into the USD game and had a pick uh, yeah. and was uh, honorable mention for Missouri Valley player, the defensive player of the week. Um, like you said, I think it's all the old cliche of the game is slowing down. That just means the guys are getting old. He's played a lot of football, yeah. but I, I think it's happening for him, and you're starting to see um, kind of a words at least tap into that potential that you saw when he stepped foot on campus. Yeah, and then even like guys like Spencer Wagey, who's improved each week, and then Will Mostert, who's been playing well, and I can't think of who else they have on the D line, but and then there's po- a possibility of uh, uh, Will's brother coming back at some point because it sounds like he's out yeah. of a boot and walking around. Do you have a uh, do you, do you have any inside info on if he'll be back for the playoffs? Nothing. I know Eli's crazy enough that he would try it. He broke his leg, you know, six weeks ago, and he's an absolute maniac, so he might try it. But uh, obviously, Andy's who's careful with the medical staff and stuff like that. If they don't think he'll be 100%, they won't let him go. It'd be really – I mean, he's an All-American defensive tackle. It, it, nobody's going to sneeze at bringing that back, especially for a late run in the playoffs. Have to shout out my guy Jackson Dutton Heifer. I don't even know. Yep. If, I don't even know if he knows who I am. He's a North Dakota boy. Yep, um, from Mandan. But yep. he, yep, that's a yep. guy. I was he. He had a really good game last week. Yes, he did. He is a really dynamic, uh, quick first step guy. Um, same thing with Javier Derrett. They're just guys who can anchor down to plug the hole or get upfield and sack the sack the quarterback. Um, and then obviously Tony Pierce. Um, seeing him back, I think he is. Uh, one of the more athletic, bendy, that Von Miller type uh, that can, you know, won't always beat you with power. And Tony can, I've seen it, but he, you expect him to bend the corner and do something really flashy. And obviously, like you mentioned, Spencer, um, my freshman roommate, we, we were roommates in okay. the dorm. And man, he is just, he's like steady as an old car. You know what you're getting with Spence. Um, and you're not shocked at all when you do see the dynamic flashes uh, every Saturday from Spencer, and it's really been really cool to see his development this year. Yeah, and, and UND's old line they've 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 been very up and down this year too. So I would expect them to get Schuster for a couple of sacks. Yeah, especially you know obviously it's going to be loud. Uh, have fun dealing with that Fargo Dome. It's going to be packed in there. The student section sold out. So I'm looking forward to the boys heating them up on Saturday. Yeah, well, it's not going to be warm outside, so. <laughs> get the uh, fireball ready yeah <laughs> ain't that the truth so and then i think this game it 
NDSU, they play 60 minutes of Bison football. This game's not going to be close. And like you said, the coaches seem to have a little bit of an edge on this game. I guess we'll just go we'll just go to the predictions here. So I, I like I like NDSU in this one. I like them to cover. And I'm gonna say they win 30 38-17. That is the exact prediction I gave on Bison Report Radio today. So okay. <laughs> I'm, we're rolling together, 38-17. And if we if we uh, if we hit that exact number, then we got to celebrate somehow. But I, I'm with you. Um, I always listen to uh, Chris Long's podcast, The Green Life Pod, and when he says he's making a big bet, he says he doesn't bet the house; he bets a, a used sedan. Uh, that that is kind of where I'm at um, for NDSU to cover. You know, 13 in the hook. I think they could easily win by two touchdowns. I don't think that's out of out of grasp of reality at all. Yeah, for sure. And so both Zach and I have 38-17 Bison Bison roll, and we'll we'll wrap this podcast up. We call this Curveball of the Week. So sure. we're gonna we're gonna end this with your your top four West Dining Center pizzas. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Um. Number one, like I said, just straight down the middle. Can't go wrong. You get a – we're in the Midwest. You get a, a bowl of ranch and yep. you go the pepperoni. Can't go wrong with pepperoni. Yep. I, do you, do I you want to alternate? Yeah, yeah, we can alternate. Uh, so yeah, let's do it. I, I also agree. I know when I was going there and it was about halfway through my sophomore year, they switched to just the big Heinz tub of ranch. But my freshman year, they had like the homemade ranch – which yep. is 10,000 times better than the, the, the Heinz ranch or whatever you get from the squirt Absolutely. bottles. But so they moved it over the salad bar. So I'd always, I'd always have to walk, walk over and pour <laughs> some ranch out, which always yeah. worth it. But number one, I would, I would have to go with the, the bacon cheeseburger pizza. That one was yep. incredible. That one with ranch was awesome. The pickles, the meat and yeah, just, it, and I'm, I'm a, type of person i don't like it soup the crust like super doughy so that was it was sure. the perfect pizza for me yeah i i got some backlash from former players and former ndsu students about the wdc pizza and i if if you have something negative to say about the wdc pizza you can come find me in fargo i uh, I, I mean <laughs> that place for as inconsistent as dining dining center food can be from day to day week to week that the pizza spot just crushed it every time uh, number two, this might be kind of out there, but they had a loaded baked potato pizza when I yes. was there, yep. and it was awesome. I I would agree. Yeah, that one I think came my second year at NDSU, and yeah, it's also also a good one. Second one I would say is the the mac and cheese pizza. Did you ever have that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just reading off each other's <laughs> list here. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking on my feet here. The mac and cheese one was great. Um, it's just a little bit of a uh, a changeup or a curveball to fit the segment. Yeah. Uh, you know, because they always they always have the staple one, and then some the pepperoni and cheese, and then sometimes they do a different one. Um, and I was never mad at mac and cheese. Yeah, you can never go I, wrong with mac and cheese. And another thing too about the the West Dining Center with their where they had the pizza, their their other like entrees that they would have like their sandwiches and like their baked i think they had like baked mac and cheese i can't remember what else they had but those were yep. always home runs 
Absolutely. That tasted like real food over there. Somebody's yep. making it with their hands, you know. I give all my love and respect to the dining center employees. It's not on you guys. Uh, you just make what you're told to make, but you guys crush it over at the pizza spot. I agree. Number three, um, I have to go the buffalo chicken. I'm a, I'm just a buffalo chicken guy, and that is like made to pair with ranch. So um, that is my number three. You, it's you some Frank's Red Hot chicken. You know, a little spice, a little heat, good to go. Yeah, I'm that number three. That was that was actually my number three too. Is the <laughs> buffalo chicken? Yeah, I'm a, exactly. I'm the same way. Are you are you a traditional or are you a boneless guy though? It depends on my mood. If I'm okay. just going out for lunch, I'm probably a boneless guy just to you know reserve mess and not have to take a shower after. <laughs> uh, but you know, if it's Friday night and I have no free ads and ice cold Miller Light. I'm I'm rolling with traditional every time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Are you so, a are you a drummies or flat guy? Um, I'm I'm not too picky. I'll eat both. Sure. I pre- probably prefer yeah. the flats because they're a little bit easier to get more of the the meat off the bone, or you can kind of yeah. smash them down and then go. But yeah, I'm I'm probably the least picky eater you'll ever meet. If you put food in front of me, there's a good chance it's gonna be gone. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't get this big by being picky so <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you um number four i'd i'd probably have to bacon cheeseburger has to be up there for me too it's just it's obviously like i said just um if you're sticking to stereotypes you're not really sure about when the dining center kind of strays from the normal and i think that was their attempt at you know kind of leaving first base a little bit and they it was just a home run every time that was when i saw bacon cheeseburger that was the one where i'd like hey second piece come on give me number yeah. two <laughs> don't, don't mess around here just give me the second one yeah there were and that, that 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 was tough to do though it was tough to get that second piece in a row where you always had to go back and get a second one yeah so you you what must have made role. good really good friends with uh with the uh dining staff uh. oh absolutely <laughs> they all knew me <laughs> they and knew then, what I was about. Yeah, and then number four for me, I think I'd have to go with the Supreme. You got sure. the, the the Supreme, and and you didn't get like you know if you go to a like a chain chain pizza place or something where you kind of got the frozen manufactured vegetables. You got the you got the real authentic green peppers, red onion. I think they had red peppers on it as well, and then the pepperoni, yep. the Italian sausage, just. I'm a, that that's probably my favorite pizza is the go to is that that's my way of getting vegetables too. Sure. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I that's that's a good call. I'm not a huge Supreme guy, uh, but they definitely they definitely did it justice. Um like you said, it wasn't like they're just pulling it out of a package and throwing it into into the oven. It was somebody was chopping those veggies. So all respect to to the Supreme pizza. Do you have uh do you have any honorable mention pizzas? They used to do um like a dessert pizza very, very rarely. Um, not, if you caught them at the right hour. That's my time. Yeah, it was like uh a little bit like the cactus bread from Pizza Ranch. Okay. But it rocked. Yeah, yeah. That'd probably be my honorable mention. Okay. Yeah, I don't um, probably honorable mention was the probably the Thai chicken. Did you ever have that oh, one? Oh sure. Yeah, that absolutely. one was a good one. That was that that was also just a kind of a 
never heard of it before and was like, well, I'll give it a shot. And they had that that Thai like that Thai peanut sauce was yep. awesome. So Yeah. No, now you're making me hungry. I'm gonna have to order something <laughs> before I go home. <laughs> okay, and then I got one more question before and then we'll get you out of here. Um so sure. I I'm from I'm from Dickinson. I went to graduated from Trinity and the Kuba I know know the Kubas boys. They were a couple of years. Zach was three years younger than me. Jake was five, but I've known them. Yep. Um, their dad, Monty, incredible guy. If you're, Great, uh, dude. if you think you're going to out drink them, you're not. Um, <laughs> Correct. I've <he's>, tried. <laughs> same. I've, uh, cause his, their, their sister was about, I think a year younger than my sister. So like for state tournaments and stuff, we would sure hang, hang out till like three, four in the morning in the hotel lobby, just shooting yep. the bowl and things like that. But do you have a story that you can, uh, that you're able to uh, share about either one of those boys? Yeah. So uh, Jake's really young for his grade. Uh, so when he came on campus, he had to sign a waiver because he was 17. Um, he had graduated and hadn't turned 18 yet before we started summer workouts. So uh, it, he got, um, he got obviously excused from the rookie tradition of having to go by the older guys chew from Staymart up on 12th Ave. <laughs> but uh, when he turned 18, he's like, finally, I can go, one, go buy it myself, Chew, uh, and two, buy it for the older guys, and I can stop hearing about it. And then uh, about two weeks later, uh, maximum age or minimum age for buying tobacco goes up to 21. <laughs> so he had just turned 18, got to live that experience for about two weeks, and then couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, my, my stories with Zach – um, he's a year older than me. So, um, had some more of those experiences with him. Um, God, I don't know what I could tell on here, but, uh, yeah, I, a lot of great memories with those guys. Um, if anybody wants to hear them or Dylan, if you catch me in Fargo, I'd be happy to share them over a beer, but, uh, don't want to flame those guys out too hard. Uh, actually going to leave it on Wednesday to go to Nashville with Zach Kubis. So, uh, oh, should okay. be good. Yeah. Yep. Should be a good time. Uh, we're going to go see Cordell and Dylan Raiden's play in oh. Nashville. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That, that, yep. that would be fun. I've heard never. Have you been to Nashville before? Yeah. We actually went to watch Rado uh, over New Year's last year. Oh, so okay. we, That's a good we were in go, Nashville. Absolutely. It was hopping. Um, Nashville is everything that they say it is. So that means it, you kind of make of it what you will. Um, if you're there to have a good time, you'll find a place to have a good time. If you want to be all too cool for school about Nashville, then you, you'll find it lame, but it's a good time. Okay. All right. Well then thank you again, Zach, for uh, joining us. So it's a NDSU UND special edition. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks Dylan.